One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Radio you can believe in. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio and Talk TV. Speaking common sense unto the nation. Listen on your smart speaker. Watch it live on your smart TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. See it, hear it, think it. Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It is Thursday morning. The Queen is now lying in state. Many, many thousands of people, tens of thousands of people have already filtered past the Queen's coffin in Westminster Hall. Many, many thousands more will do so. Uh, we think by probably later on today, over 100,000 people may well uh, have gone past the coffin and paid their respect that way. The queue is now said to be three miles long, uh, reaching from Westminster and Parliament Square all the way back to our office here uh, in London Bridge and where HMS Belfast is. It was said uh, that it might, in fact, reach all the way back to Tower Bridge. And the day is reasonably clement. It's not raining, so it could well be that that is the case. It's an extraordinary thing to watch. A lot of people telling us that they're just fascinated to see who's turning up. Theresa May's been there. Uh, we've obviously seen other politicians uh, and dignitaries, um, and we've been speaking to many people who have uh, gone through the process. Some people have done it more than once. Um, as we prepare for what happens on Monday, we've got lots to talk about today. We've got many guests. Uh, ben Habib is going to be here. Uh, we're going to talk about the things that are closing down, what's going to be open. Simon Calder will be here to talk about exactly how to get from point A to point B. Some roads are closed. Some train services are running others are not but it is an extraordinary time to be in london my first guest this morning john rental from the independent john very good morning to you good morning Mike. thank you very much indeed i guess we haven't really seen each other since um, the announcement of the queen's no. death on thursday so so give me your sort of reflections i suppose from from that point to now because it's been for me it's been a really interesting few days of, of kind of self-reflection for the country but also for people in the country to kind of think about not just the royals and the monarchy, but but yeah. just their own kind of well-being, because people are seeing each other down in 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 Parliament Square, and 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 it's almost like a sort of cathartic moment for them after two years of horror. Yeah, well, I mean, it is a very significant yeah. moment. I mean, not not least because we've we, we're changing prime minister and yeah. the monarch at the same time, mm. so that means everything everything changes. But the response to the to to the Queen's death, I mean, it was one of those things as as. King Charles said, "You know that we always dreaded, but mm. we knew it was. Mm. We, we knew it was bound to happen. Yeah. Um, but of course, you, you're never emotionally prepared for the shock when it when no, it does, quite. It does actually happen. And I think that's true. But I mean, also, it's been a kind of reassuring time, I think, because things have been so well organised. And I said this during the jubilee that you know whoever's organising this should be running the government because <laughs> to know exactly how to make things go from point A to point B on time, yeah. you know, on budget and actually you know quite efficiently. And this is a big operation. I mean, we'll be talking later to people about the you know the numbers of police that are going to be required to, to police the funeral, yeah. the number of 
buses that come in from all over the country. We've, we've got world leaders coming in. Um, I was just uh, listening to the Sons Royal uh, correspondent there talking about it's like having 100 state visits in one. I mean, yeah. that in itself is a massive event. Yeah, no, it's a, that is a huge logistical challenge. Like, yeah. The whole thing has been a logistical challenge. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously been planned uh, for a very long time, you know, yes. Operation London Bridge or whatever it's called. Right. And uh, but it but it has gone fairly smoothly. I mean, it is it's it is so British, of mm. course, that the that the most important thing you have to plan for is 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 for a queue. Yes, indeed. I mean, that is, that is the thing, and, and how unsurprising that so many people want to join it, you know, because that is what we do. But it is moving. I mean, as we're looking at it now on the TV screens, the queue is actually moving quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and there are an awful lot of people who are telling me that they were surprised at how quickly they were able to get into the Westminster Hall itself. Well, I think there's been a bit of expectations management mm. in uh, in the queue, uh, the, the queuing theory. Yes. Uh, the, the sort of the 10-mile-long queue hasn't been needed, but right. I mean, obviously it's it, it's useful to know that it's there. And the, yeah. and the warnings that you might have to wait 30 hours yeah. uh, haven't uh, haven't actually turned out to be true mm. yet. But, uh, I mean, I think the, the longest I've heard is six, six or seven hours. Yes. Um, and as you say, yeah, people are, are filing past on both sides uh, fairly... I mean, you know, respectfully, but, mm. but reasonably quickly. So, yes. it's, so it is flowing through. Right. And, I mean, politically speaking, we're sort of in a, once again, a bit of limbo. And I've been saying to people, can we can we please tell our politicians to no longer put anything off? You know, like, do you remember when in the summer we were told, well, you'd have to wait till September the 5th to get the new Prime Minister because those are the rules. And then yeah. we waited till September the 5th and then suddenly we had yet another event which meant everything got pushed to the background. Yeah. I mean, I came in here that day I'm sure the people listening to the show are sick of hearing this story, but I came in on Thursday uh, last week expecting yeah. to have an awful lot of analysis of a very short up-and-down speech by Liz Truss. Yes. Got completely taken by surprise by a debate where she kept giving way to people. And we were sort of sitting here going, I didn't know it was going to take an hour and a half for us to get from point A to point B. But then as we kind of started to, to examine what she had said about energy and exactly what it would mean for people... No, lo- no, you know, no longer had I just been out of the, the, the door, and, and then we had the announcement. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I was in the I was in the press gallery at the time, yeah, uh, uh, listening to her speech. But I mean, it, it was it was quite difficult to follow because you were distracted by uh, by people coming in and out. And, yes, uh, and there was a lot of notes being passed, weren't there? That's uh, right. What, at what moment did you know that on. something was going wrong? Was it when they started passing the notes? Well, it was when I saw Nadim Zahawi um, clutching a, a a folder come and uh, come and talk to. Right. To Liz Truss on the front bench, I yes. mean, that was it. Was clear that some something was going on, but right. I was uh, I was too dim-witted to work out what it was. Well, I mean, because at that point it could be anything, and you know? I suppose it could have been something within the party. It could have been any number of any number yeah. of other possibilities, I suppose. But but yeah, so I mean, let's talk a little bit about uh, Liz Truss and what she's doing during the interim period because she's got a budget statement, hasn't she, or a mini budget to do next week? Next week, absolutely. On Friday, I think the latest uh, suggestion is that uh, Kwasi Kwarteng, her chancellor, will uh, will announce a, a financial statement. I mean, there'll be he will announce uh, whatever the reversal of the national insurance uh, tax rise mm. uh, means. He will announce that uh, right. because I mean, whatever what people haven't really grasped is that Rishi Sunak half reversed the national insurance mm. rise. I mean, yeah, because he, he did that in July, didn't he? Yes, he actually gave gave a lot of that tax cut mm. back to to the low paid. So, yes. so everybody's pointing out that if you reverse that, that means the high paid. Uh, actually, get a yeah. get get the lion's share, um, and it'd be interesting to see what Kwasi Kwarteng does with that. Yes, but also, also, they do seem like like everything financial these days. There are two schools of thought, aren't they? Because people who are saying um, that actually this is going to help the, the well off 
didn't say that it was going to punish them well off uh, when it started. So you <laughs> well, kind of go, well, if it wasn't punishing them well off, how is it now benefiting them? No, well, I, I I praised it at the time because I thought it was it was putting the burden on mm. the on, on the better off. Yeah. And I thought that was the right the right thing to do, the right way to pay for the. Yeah. Uh, uh, for, for the coronavirus backlogs, which was what we were dealing with at the time. But now we're dealing with a completely different crisis, which yes. is the energy crisis. Right. And again, you know, I, th- I think the burden should fall on the, on the people best able to, to pay well, for it. Well, you would say that, we will, because that's we what you always say. But, but the thing yeah, is, but, surely... But Liz Truss, ro- rather remarkably, mm. um, disagrees with that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we've got a sharp ideological divide yes. in, in politics. But it's all obscured at the moment by the, by the funeral yeah. and, and, and the fact that normal politics is on hold. But is it on hold, or are they still working sort of behind the scenes? Because presumably what? the Cabinet will still be having meetings, they'll be having conversations, and the, the wheels of government, are, although we can't necessarily see them, yes. are still moving. Oh, ab- absolutely, although it seems that one of the most important aspects of this mini-budget next week is going to be what kind of help uh, the Chancellor's going to give to businesses and, uh, and, and, and public sector organisations, charities, mm. uh, because they've all got energy bills as well. And, yeah. you know, a lot of businesses are going to go to the wall in pubs and hospitality well, this is the problem, isn't in it? particular. Yeah, because uh, there is no cap for them. Um, and there is no clear-cut sort of way for them to get through. No, that's it? right. And the Prime Minister's uh, spokesperson yesterday was reduced to saying, well, you know, if the help is on its way, but if it's not ready in time for, mm. for the beginning of October, which is when the bills go, are expected to go up, yeah. then uh, then it'll be backdated. It, yes. It, I mean, I assume work is, is frantically going on behind the You scenes. would hope so, because there are certainly already organisations and, and places that I know that I, that I occasionally go to uh, who have cut back on the numbers of, number of hours that they're actually opening for. Absolutely. Because they're, they're preparing for the fact that they might only do three days a week or they might only do dinner instead of lunch and dinner. Or yeah. They might not be open all day, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I think uh, politics is going to suddenly take off again next mm. week and become uh, extremely contested. Yes. And, uh, Do you see it as a kind of a literally Monday comes and then that's it and we're sort of back to normal? Because I wonder whether we will emerge as a country from this in a slightly better mood. I mean, you know, because people have been pretty angry yeah. and pretty kind of um, irritable, shall we say, for quite a long time. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about you and I. Um, but uh, I wonder but, whether... Some, because sometimes there is a sort of cathartic thing that can happen. Um, I know that's sort of an overused word. But, for example, in New York after 9-11, New York never returned to the, to the New York City that I knew. Right. Um, and funnily enough, I didn't like it as much because it was a much more, you know, brash, dangerous kind of, you know, in-your-face kind of city. And now yeah. it's a much nicer... Uh, people who live there say it's a much more pleasant environment. Really? But I rather liked it when it was, when it was horrible, <laughs> you know, because that was what you expected. And, I, and after Diana's death, I think there was a certain period where people were a bit more respectful of each other and they were a bit more understanding of other people's problems and all of that. Well, I and I just so. wonder if, if, if people might have been brought a bit more together. Well, let's, let, let's hope so. I mean, I, I, I doubt if it'll last, to be honest. Mm. I, mean, I mean, not least because of the scale of the crisis that faces people. I mean, people are really going to face difficult times over, over this winter. Mm. Uh, and if there's a sharp uh, political disagreement about how to deal with that, then that's, that, that I think will... Uh, you know, I, I think it'll be difficult to bridge that. Yeah. Bridge that Which divide. brings us back to, for the first time, Sakir Starmer, who is his name I don't think I've uttered since uh, last Thursday. Um, and what he does, because obviously it's quite an important period for him. Yeah. He's got a new prime minister to deal with. You and I would disagree because uh, I saw you put a tweet out saying that Keir Starmer majestically won prime minister's questions, which I have to disagree <laughs> with very strongly, I'm afraid. I don't think he did. He um, absolutely won the argument. I mean, he well, he didn't have, win the... the may not have won the rhetorical He did not exchange. win what I would regard as the uh, the people's vote, shall we say, because it was clear that she got him on a couple of occasions. I don't think, I don't think that's right. I, I think people do support a windfall tax and, and, and cannot understand 
understand why Liz yeah, Truss is not you, what are you to gonna, increase what are you, the tax on the on the oil and gas companies. But what are you going to do? Which part of the of their profit are you going to tax? Because everybody knows you can't tax the profit they make in other countries. You need to tax the profit they make here. They're already paying sixty five percent. How much more do you want them to pay? Seventy five percent. Well, it's not? too much because well, it's not communist Russia or indeed Venezuela. Well, well but it's not. It. I mean, it is a windfall. I mean, it is not. It but is they've not already money got that, a windfall. It's not money tax. that they've earned. Well, yeah, but so I think you, I think exceptional taxes are justified in this case. Well, yeah, I think, but, and that is that is but a if, for very example, popular opinion. Well, it's for an, once it's, I'm on the side of I'm on the side of the people, and you're on. The not side really. Of the, no, yeah. people just want cheaper energy bills, and they don't really care how that happens. No, they, they do. No, they, they don't, I, I because think, what they would like to see, and an awful lot of people would like to see this, is a reduction in the um, in all the various levies that are charged to people. I know your argument is that the green levy isn't very high. It's not just yeah. the green levy; it's all sorts of other levies and other taxes which the government puts on the the, the yeah. original cost. Absolutely, and which they could take away. But that's that's common ground. I mean, Liz Truss, for mm. all her for all her free market rhetoric, is is doing the biggest uh, state intervention mm. in the market. Uh, yeah, that, that, has, that has happened. Well, well as you say, since, exceptional since times COVID, since COVID and, and and the war. Yeah, um, but exceptional times. But I mean, what's extraordinary is that she's prepared to compromise on that, and yet she's not prepared to compromise. Uh, her her so-called principles on mm. uh, on the windfall tax, which yeah. is which is how you pay for it, which means that Labour end up uh, positioning themselves as the more fiscally responsible party because they're actually well, except except depends on which economy. Well, it depends this. which economist you talk to because there are there are people who say that the so-called thirty billion uh, that w- it would cost, for example, for some of Labour's plans to help people would actually end up costing sixty billion. So no, the, the jury's still out. In other words, but we'll come back to that because as you can see, if you're watching uh, our screen right now, uh, the Q is currently halfway between London Bridge and Tower Bridge, so it's just over three miles long. If you're thinking of joining it, you might expect to be in it for about five or six hours. We'll we'll keep you updated as best we can. You can see a map there of how far you'd have to move in order to get to see what it is that you want to see. So it's another busy day here at Talk TV. John Rental is here. We'll still continue to converse, if that's the right word, um, about the Labour Party's policies and indeed on Liz Truss as well. This is Talk TV. Talk Radio. The home of common sense. Permanent. Persuasive. Profound. Radio with an answer for everything. Talk Radio. On your mobile, on your wavelength, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. John Rentals here with me from the Independent, Chief Political Commentator. One of the things that has kind of slightly divided those who even want to celebrate the funeral or commemorate the Queen... Um, is what's happening on Monday in terms of what's going to be open and what's not going to be open. I'm one of those, I think, who thinks it's a bit over the top for like all supermarkets to shut down. Yeah. Uh, and McDonald's is even shutting down. And I'm not, I'm not a particularly frequent visitor to McDonald's, but if people are sitting around at home watching uh, and they want to order some food yeah. or they want to go down to the local fast food outlet because they don't want to cook, because they yeah. can't buy any food, I mean, it seems an odd thing to do, doesn't it? It, it, it does, but I mean, at least McDonald's is paying its staff. Um, whereas, you know, there must be, there must be a lot of places closing down that aren't doing that yeah uh, but i mean the really controversial uh things are, are in the public sector i mean yeah. the, NH- the nhs i mean there, you know, there are an awful lot of stories today in the in the papers about operations being cancelled yeah. i mean obviously it's supposed to be non-urgent but i mean there's there seem to be some quite quite yeah. urgent uh, the difficulty is i think they've come to to a point now in the nhs where if it's a bank holiday they're just not working they're well, taking the view that it's like the weekend. Exactly. And that's fine if it's a bank holiday you know was coming, but if yeah. you, it's the one you didn't... Exactly. I mean, be, there are I lots mean, of people who are prepared for, for, yeah. for weeks and months yeah. for, for appointments and operations. And, yeah. you know, suddenly to have them 
cancelled, I think, is is terrible. And if and and schools closing, I don't I don't really schools closing that. is mad. I mean, why um, wouldn't you just? I mean, it seems to me that in in my day, I know, I know, so so long ago, we barely had television, but we did have it. I remember watching the moon landings uh, in in school. Yeah, and these poured everybody into the assembly hall, and we sat on the floor and watched it. Yeah, surely that's what you should be doing in schools, isn't it? I would have thought so, especially given I mean, given what we know from the from the pandemic about mm. the knock on effects. I mean, if you close schools, then then all sorts of people can't go to work, yeah. uh, and it just shuts, shuts everything down. I mean, I, I do agree. I, I, I think the funeral should have been at the weekend. Um, I don't see why. It and the rule was apparently that you don't do state funerals on a Sunday. Was that what somebody said? Well, yeah, but why not? I mean, you know. Yeah, the, I mean, the rules, it is rules are there to be changed. I mean, that's the, the, the joy of a flexible constitution. I would have thought. Yes. I mean, given the amount of time. Although had to I suppose, having said that, one of the reasons why we're praising the the, the great organisation of this event is that it is sort of done by the book. And there is a book by we, I don't know who's got the book, but yeah, but it's the wrong book. book. I mean, they says, should this not. This is have, what we do. They should not have ended up with a with, with an extra bank holiday. Mm. I, I don't think. I, would, I uh, certainly don't think it should become a regular bank holiday, which is what some people have suggested. I mean, I don't see why you need to have another yet another bank holiday every year to to, to sort of commemorate the death of Queen Elizabeth II when you've now got a new monarch. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I, uh, I don't agree with that. Mm. And uh, but I just think that with the NHS in the state state it is, the last thing it needs is is to lose a day. Yeah, I mean, we spoke to some people yesterday who called in to say, you know, I finally got myself a, a, a date for the procedure, whatever it was, and the next one is going to be sometime next year. Yeah, probably. Absolutely. I mean, it is absolutely terrible what's what's happening to the NHS. Yeah, but there's no kind of. Um, rhyme or reason or even sort of appeal process is there because i mean a lot of people are saying well it's up to you if you want to close your business a lot of pubs are saying we're going to stay open yeah which i think is good because a lot of people will gravitate to pubs to watch it i would have thought um but also you've got um, I, I saw a report yesterday from i think it was hammersmith and hammersmith council where people were going around to building sites and telling them to close down on monday and you're kind really? of going well why <laughs> You know, I mean, I walked past one this morning in London Bridge, very noisy. Yeah. You know, it really wakes you up in the morning when you walk past one of these building sites. There's a jackhammer going. And I thought, I bet you they won't be working on Monday. Yeah. And there's no reason for that. No, I you think, I mean, when the idea, I mean, the government obviously says, you know, it's up to businesses to decide. But I mean, especially if you if you close schools, then you can't, you know, your staff can't come mm. in. Um, also, so, this kind of nonsensical view that everybody should be able to sell, you know, to, to watch the funeral. Well, since when? You know, yeah. you don't have a sort of automatic right to have a day off just because you want to watch the Queen's funeral. You well, might yeah. be in a job. You know, what if you're running a petrol station and somebody wants to stop and get petrol, you go, oh, sorry, I'm watching, <laughs> I'm watching the Queen's the funeral. funeral. Can't serve you for another couple of hours. You just sit there. Well, you should be. I mean, given that not everybody wants to watch the no. funeral, um, it should be possible to yeah. uh, to allow people to book the day off. But Yeah, but you go. don't need to book the day off to watch a funeral, surely. I mean, you could watch it in the office. I mean, we will all be here because we're working, obviously. But yeah. You know, there's any number of reasons for people to go into an office, and if they want to take an hour off to watch a bit of the funeral, then sit in, in the office and watch it. You know, absolutely. It's, it's not a, as if it's a free country. It Mark. really is, although perhaps not. Um, what about the freedom of speech issue? Because I'd be interested to hear your view on that. You know, the people who were arrested for holding up banners that said nothing or yeah. shouting at the, well, the Duke of uh, York. Terrible. I mean, I mean, I just, I just think, um, you know, we had this, we had this problem during the during the pandemic. Um, you know, the, the government managed to, to ban protest without yeah. even knowing that they'd done it. Right. Pretty Patel, who was then the Home Secretary, uh, told people that they were they were entitled to protest uh, as long as they did it peacefully, yeah. uh, which they weren't. I mean, right. they, it was actually in the legislation. Um, I mean, this is the problem. The, the government doesn't know its own legislation. The mm. police obviously don't know the legislation. I mean, there is still 
the statute on the uh, uh, on the statute books the the treason felony act mm. 1848 right. which uh, which uh, says it's a criminal offence to encompass and imagine the uh, the end of the monarchy right so it is an offence to do so well then. it is i mean it, it's been tested in the house of lords right. and the house of lords says it's a, it's it, it's a bygone yeah. it's a relic of a bygone i mean i'm told agent. in scotland there's also a different law now which covers the the what happened up there but there's been a charge going into it too much but there is a law which apparently means he was it was right to arrest him for doing what he did because what, the, been, the chap who shouted at yeah, uh, Prince Andrew. Yeah, because they brought in these new hate crime laws. Well, yes, I mean, that's, that's, Hamza, a, Hamza, that's a separate point. Hamza Yusuf. So, yes. so, in fact, they actually have a legal reason to do what they did. They do. And, uh, I mean, I think I think that is terrible. I mean, they, what, what they've done in Scotland, in effect, is is they've criminalised uh, the activity of an awful lot of... Uh, they've criminalised Scottish, Scottish nationalists yeah. on online who abuse English people yeah. on the grounds of nationality. Yeah. Uh, now, that is now a criminal offence mm. in Scotland, and I don't see that being enforced. Uh, well, it's very tricky, isn't it? Interesting times that we live in. Um, I, my view on it was just that, you know, it's not really the time or the place to be doing stuff like that. I mean, I accept that you may not like the monarchy, but, you know, if you don't like it, just stay away. Thanks. <laughs> and, you know, write a letter no, but to I the think there's, a, there's an important point, principle here, Mike, which is that the, that the law of the country shouldn't be ambiguous. It shouldn't be... It shouldn't be. We shouldn't be in a position where the police and and the public don't know what the law is. But the trouble is, we have now found ourselves in that place, largely due to the wokery uh, of certain groups of people who have demanded that certain things not be said about them. And so the police have been told that you have to police this, yeah. even though there isn't necessarily a law that tells you you can't do it. Yeah, well, but I think the police ought to ought to have a more a more robust. Uh, and we have an opportunity, do we not, now with the new head of the Metropolitan Police? To perhaps sort all that out. Yeah, well, let's let's see. Let's uh, let's hope he does a he does because I mean, job. as we've been speaking about for the last week, we've done, we've really talked about nothing else but the Queen and the royal family. But we forget that that's a massive issue. You know, the issue of of sort of thought crimes and you know political correctness and what you're allowed to say on social media and what gets you banned, what gets you arrested, all of that. Yeah, was a massive story. Well, and it still was, is. And, and and that was one of the reasons why Cressida Dick had to go was because because mm. the police. Uh, were so heavy-handed in that uh, in, in policing that vigil, mm. um, which was just because um, you know some some women protesters were shouting at. Yeah, them. I know, bizarre. Final question: uh, Mike has uh, tweeted, surely there's a case for postponing the party conference until at least the spring, and instead resuming Parliament no later than Monday week, September the twenty-sixth. I think there is a, an argument for suspending the. Conferences. Well, there's always an argument for suspending party conferences because yeah. I, th- I think they're a waste of time, but. Uh, on the other hand, I think it's quite important that, that politics should should get back to normal. Yes, uh, but politics meaning politics actually in Westminster rather than politics in you know Liverpool, Brighton, and Birmingham. Yeah, we're going. well, it means they'll they'll have a lot to do in Parliament next week, and right. they they will have to get through it at a decent a decent pace. I mean, recently there's quite often been the case that they're actually filling their time; mm. they don't actually don't actually have enough business. To, yeah. For, for MPs yeah. to discuss. I mean, that is not going to be the case next week. They they need to get on with it. Uh, but I think the party conferences should go ahead. Mm. OK. John Rental, thank you very much indeed. Uh, from The Independent, you can read him uh, always through the week um, and also uh, quite often on this uh, very station, of course. We've got more to do. We're going to be talking to Rupert Bell. We'll take your calls as well, 0344 499 1000. This is Talk TV. Business going to be helped by the mini-budget? That is the big question. And how is the Queen's funeral and the whole week leading up to it going to affect the economy as well. Julian, a very good morning to you. Yes, good morning. Um, well, I'll start with the, the, the Queen's funeral and the and the bank holiday. Um, I mean, frankly, I don't think the economic impact really matters. I mean, this is a, you know, 
a national event, a, an opportunity to, to celebrate her life. And if that means that measured economic activity is a bit lower than otherwise, then then so be it. But um, there will be a hit to the economy. Uh, people's incomes and, and output in the economy will be lower than it would otherwise have been. Uh, because people won't be going to work, they'll be, you know, sitting in front of their television, uh, watching the watching the funeral and the other commemorative events. Um, there will be an increase in spending in some parts of the economy, but that will be more than offset by a reduction in spending in others. So there'll be a, a temporary hit to economic activity, but I think in the bigger scheme of things, who cares? Yes, I mean um, you, can, you can say that, mm. but and, and who cares is, is is probably the way the government would see most of what they've done for the past three years. But you know that doesn't necessarily <laughs> help anybody. But I wonder whether we might be uh, overregging the closures of things because we'll be talking about this in a bit more detail later on in the show. But it seems to me there's an awful lot of businesses who are saying they're not going to be open on Monday when they have a great opportunity to make an awful lot of money. I realise that London is not the centre of the universe, but in London, for example, the hotel mm. business is is booming because so many people have come to be here for this particular time and you would think it might have made sense for a lot more of perhaps the shops and the um uh, and the hospitality in particular to stay open to, to take advantage of it well I, I personally think it would have made more sense for the the funeral to take place on the sunday mm. uh, rather than the the monday because yeah. that will be you know less disruptive and right. i'm thinking not just of businesses but you know things like doctor's surgeries being closed um yeah. Um, a lot of that is actually a knock-on effect from the closure of schools because, of course, if, if kids are at home, mm. you know, people with childcare responsibilities can't go to work. So um, I think it would have made more sense to have the, the commemorative events, the funeral in particular, on, on the Sunday yes. rather than the rather than the Monday. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, that any any economic impact is going to be smaller and short-lived and, and sometimes it is the price you have to pay for... Mm. No, for sure. No, I, I get that. Let's talk about the mini-budget. Famously, mm. um, Nadim Zahawi has said that he's not going to be talking to experts, uh, which for some people is a, re- is a relief, for others it's perhaps not. What's your view on that? Um, I think you mean quasi Quating. Oh, sorry, yeah. quasi Quating. Yeah, um, my apologies. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he will be talking to experts, and, you know... Um, I, Hopefully, I'll be I'll be one of them, but we'll see. Um, the key point here is that you know the, the mini budget. I don't think is going to be a massive fiscal event. I think basically it's going to be doing two things. One is confirming the the cancellation of the the tax increases that Liz Truss promised during her uh, campaign for leadership. So the cancellation of the corporation tax hike and and also the national insurance increase. Um, the second thing I think is going to be more detail on the energy price guarantee, uh, particularly as it affects businesses. And you know there's a big concern at the moment that. You know, we have an energy price cap already in place for households, but that cap doesn't apply to businesses. There's a lot of uncertainty about how quickly they'll get the additional support that the government is is going to be offering. So I think that's a that's something where we do need more clarity. Mm. Um, as it happens, I think a lot of the concerns here are, are overdone. I, I don't think that suppliers will be pulling in the plug or you know calling in the bailiffs on businesses because they do know more support is coming and will almost certainly be backdated. But it is an additional uncertainty that the business community can't could do without yeah. at the moment. So I hope and, and why do you think it has been sort of so unclear? Because I mean, Liz Trust got up in Parliament last week and was fairly steady and steadfast about consumer prices and the consumer cap and how people would not be spending more on average than 2500 but they can't seem to do it for business where they could do it presumably on a sort of kilowatt per hour basis couldn't they well i mean i think the plan is pretty clear that businesses will be offered the you know the equivalent support at least for a six-month period as, as households are getting um the difficulty is turning that into a practical plan because of course we, we've got an off-gem cap in place already for uh, for households, it's rather harder to roll it out for businesses. Mm. You know, the contracts are more complicated. Um, for example, there are quite a few businesses that have probably already locked in 
relatively low prices through long-term contracts. I think they might feel pretty aggrieved if their competitors suddenly got a, you know, a bailout from the government. Um, so the, these issues are a bit more complicated sometimes than it is for households. Mm. Um, I think also the, the, the immediate need to help businesses might be less than the immediate need to help households, partly because at least larger businesses can, of course, cover their costs by you know, borrowing from commercial sources and so on. And they have lots of other options that are not available to households. So I think it made sense to you know, fix the problem for households first and then worry about businesses. Mm. But we can't clearly wait much longer. Businesses you know, do have massive bills potentially uh, from October onwards, so they will need clarity pretty soon. Yes, because it's the, it's the jump in price that I think has, has worried so many people. And if you were running a business where, uh, as I think we saw, um, Tom Kerridge, the chef, was saying he's gone from what was potentially a sixty thousand pound bill for an annual uh, power supply to something like four hundred thousand, and that's just terrifying for people, isn't it? And you, as much as you say, well, it's people are going to shut you down straight away. It's something that people worry about. Yeah, I think that's why it's important that. You know, any detail should should only wait a matter. I think you know days or weeks at the most, rather than months. Mm. Um, there is talk of the the support payments not beginning until November, um, but I think even if that is the case, there still needs to be clarity that those support payments are going to be backdated to the beginning of of October. Um, if that clarity is provided, though, and then I think, as I said earlier, suppliers are not going to be, you know, cutting off um, energy to, to pubs and so on. I mean, it, it would be bonkers for them to do so. I'm sort of public relations disaster, but also they'd be losing valuable customers. So um, I would expect energy suppliers to um, to be sympathetic. Um, and also, I think the government should put an enormous amount of pressure on them to be sympathetic. Mm. After all, energy supply is just going to get a massive amount of taxpayer support. So we would expect them to, to play along and, and, and be helpful to businesses as well as to households. Right. And people's views seem to differ on when things will begin to ease we saw inflation going down slightly this week i mean albeit not very much and probably slightly it could be a blip from the from the actual fuel price but in terms of the kind of um the inflationary spiral and the worries of it reaching 20 percent is that sort of off into the distance now do you think Yes, I mean, those worst fears of inflation going above 20% were were based on energy prices remaining very high. But now the cap is in place for domestic bills. I think inflation will probably peak around about 11% in in the autumn Mm. and then fall very sharply. But um, I'm I'm still not going to get the bunting out. I mean, for a start, 10% inflation, give or take, is still extraordinarily high. And there are some important elements of it, particularly food price inflation, that's still accelerating. That was more than 13% in August. And that has a disproportionate impact on lower income households. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's far too soon to sound the all clear on inflation, but at least the worst fears of you know another massive increase mm. early next year have now been put to bed. Excellent. Julian, thank you very much indeed. Julian Jessup, independent economist there. Coming up, uh, we're going to be joined by Eddie Sherwood, a Talk TV's reporter on the ground outside um, Parliament Square, outside Westminster Hall, of course. We can give you an update, uh, as you can see on the screen, uh, that the uh, queue for Westminster Hall has now reached Tower Bridge. So uh, it's closer to four miles than it is to three now. So extraordinary uh, how many people are now in that queue waiting uh, to go uh, forward. And it is moving. Uh, It could stretch to 10 miles, we're told. Coming up next, though, Rupert Bell, our Royal Correspondent, will be here uh, to tell us about today's happenings. This is Talk Radio. Error 5092. Argument failed to start. Reach for the story. There's still a good argument for listening. Talk Radio. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and talk TV. 
Welcome back to Talk TV. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, and we are here, of course, for you. The Queen is now lying in state. The queue uh, from Westminster is now going all the way along the river, uh, and you can see a map on our website. You can see a map uh, on our screens as we watch. Uh, basically, check if you are here to join that queue. Uh, check TFL's website for the latest travel information. Uh, the nearest landmark to join the queue now uh, is Tower Bridge. So if you're happen- happening to come down from elsewhere, to London, um, don't go to Westminster Hall because you'll then have to walk three miles, uh, four miles or so, uh, to get to the end of the queue. Um, and if, if you take my advice, you'll either go to London Bridge on the Tube and walk or uh, go to Tower Bridge and cross the river, um, which is the best way to do it. Um, we're going to be speaking to Rupert Bell very shortly, Talk TV's Royal Correspondent, of course. First, though, uh, let's take a trip down uh, to Westminster, to Westminster Hall, uh, because Parliament Square is where it's all happening. Ellie Sherwood is there for us, Talk TV's reporter uh, on the scene. Ellie, very good morning to you. Good morning, good to speak to you. Nice to see you, Ellie. Um, nice weather again today. Um, the queue seems to be moving perhaps quicker than anyone thought it would. An awful lot of people have been through the hall already. Uh, do you have any idea how many actual numbers we've seen so far? I don't have an idea on numbers, but you're right about the queue. When I was down there this morning, it was saying more like a walk than a queue as it was moving pretty steadily mm. the whole time. And everyone I've spoken to have remarked how well organised it's been this morning. Yes. And as far as the numbers uh, are, are growing as we speak, um, it seems the queue started this morning at Blackfriars Bridge. It's now going back to Tower Bridge. I won't bore people with all the bridges in between. Um, but, I mean, it could, in fact, go even further e- uh, east, couldn't it? Yes, it could. I think it could go as far as Southwark, so it could be miles and miles long. But this morning, you're right, it only started at Blackfriars Bridge and has been growing since then. I guess possibly due to people's reluctance to queue overnight. It mm. might get busier now, it's the daytime. Yes, absolutely right. And you've been I'm talking to some people. I'm joined here, Mike, by... Yes, I have indeed. I'm joined here by Layla and Blessings. They've just been into the hall. Um, tell me, what was your experience like this morning? Uh, the experience from 6am onwards was awesome, very well organised, a lot of support along the way, a lot of advice and the moment inside was just unbelievable. I mean, I don't have words to explain it. I think it's an experience that every person has to live for themselves because every person has their personal connection, I think, with the Queen. and. I'm very happy that I have stood very early hours in the queue. It's, it's just been a treasure for life. Would you say it was worth the wait this morning? It was worth the wait, I must say. And um, having been in there, very peaceful. And what a great loss to the nation, world at large, and the Commonwealth. And I felt I needed to be here because I felt welcomed. And she was a great leader, um, a, a great loss indeed. And you were telling me earlier you had some personal connections to the Queen, you had met her. Yes, I met her first in 71, when I was only like three and a half. And I had met her in Istanbul at the time, and my father was in in, uh, the consular section working there. And then uh, later on he was awarded the MBE, so he was at the palace. And then in 2006, I also met her personally again at Buckingham Palace because I won the Queen Award for Enterprise with my company at the time. So yes, I have many memories, many fond memories. And that's why I felt I needed to pay my respect. 
Thank you so much. Yes, and lots of people here have been telling me similar stories about how they... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Met the Queen or had interactions with her, but even those that haven't said coming here today to Westminster Hall, they felt a real personal connection to the monarch who's been such a constant throughout their lives. Absolutely, Ellie. Thank you very much indeed. Ellie Sherwood there reporting into us from outside Westminster Hall, uh, where the queues are now building all the way back around about three, probably three and a half miles towards um, Tower Bridge. They've now practically reached Tower Bridge, so it will be quite a long wait if you have joined the queue just now. Rupert Bell's here with us. Rupert, you were saying it's about, what, half a mile um, an hour or something Yeah, like so I mean, if it's 3.5, it's gone up 1.5 miles since um, this morning, around about uh, 6.30 when I came in. That's about two miles. Right. And you think, well, that's all right, because that's probably a four-hour wait. Well, now it's turning into a seven-hour wait, probably, um, when you join yes. the queue uh, down at Tower Bridge to get through. So, you know, in now, what is it, 11 o'clock, you're not going to get in until probably 6 o'clock. 6 so, or possibly later, yeah. Or later, and it's only going to get longer. But mm. you clearly... There are going to be peaks and troughs, of, but during the day it's only going to build, and probably again by tomorrow morning it might sort of go down a little yes. bit. But I don't think you'll ever see it anything less than probably two or three no. miles. So it, but it's amazing, and you're hearing from those people who've had the privilege to go through what it means. The sort of even though it's a long wait walk to get there, the feeling when you get there clearly a sense of or um, serenity the mm. reaction of every single person has yes. been there of the extraordinary sight with the coffin on that catafalque mm. surrounded by the soldiers uh, with their head bowed and all the history of that mm. room it, it's easy to see um, what it means to everybody and yeah. the sense of connection mm. that everybody has and you know even those people that uh, we were talking just a moment ago talking about how they had a connection with the Queen but felt it was the right thing to do. Yes, and it is an extraordinary event, isn't it? Because I was thinking of perhaps something else that you could compare it to and one of the things that people really wanted to see uh, was the, all the poppies around the Tower of London and it was quite hard to get in to see that. But, I mean, that doesn't even compare in the slightest to something like this. It's so immense, isn't it? Uh, the whole thing has been immense and clearly 
You know, that's why, um, you know, the Prince and Princess of Wales, they're going to Sandringham to see all the floral tributes mm. out there because previous monarchs, the last two previous monarchs, died in Sandringham. Mm. So, in a way, they've sort of been felt a bit sort of not... Yeah, you know, a bit left out. A bit left out, yeah. but, you know, they're, they're going, obviously, for the Prince and Princess of Wales, Norfolk is an important... It's been a very significant part of their... Uh, married life yeah. um, near Sandringham and their children. So, he, well, it's where they are every yeah. Christmas, isn't it? As well, well, it so, well, that remain the same. Do you think? I know it's a bit early for these kind of questions, but, <laughs> but will King Charles say actually Highgrove might you know, Highgrove he, might become the place well, for Christmas? These are all the decisions to be made because yeah. he loves Highgrove and that's where he is today yeah. for a day of sort of regrouping. And you can fully understand why mm. he needs it because yeah. it has been. I can most... do with a day of regrouping. I'm not quite sure when I'm going to get one. <laughs> Mike, um, you soldier on, Mike. Uh, but in, in essence, this is why he will. Uh, I'm sure he's reading plenty of red boxes and everything because all the heads of states are coming in. Yes. He will be need to be briefed on. You know, minutiae yeah. of sort of protocol. Well, that's a big question, isn't it, as well? Because we were hearing this morning from uh, uh, the Sons of Royal guy. Um, it's like a hundred state visits in one. Mm. Who the heck organises where they sit? Where they? Oh. I mean, presumably a lot of them will stay in their like ambassadorial residences rather than uh, in hotels and that kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, the, that's what the embassies are there for, yeah. or the residence of the ambassador, because obviously some of them have got very grand um, residences. Yes. So. Um, clearly, there will be. Well, that's all part of the major logistical exercise. And obviously, when you've got, you know, normally you only have to worry about if the president of the United States coming. You worry about all that. That. And mm. but the fact is, you've got all the other countries probably with their own sort of nuances on security demands. Mm. This is a, a major headache, and that seating plan is, you know, being poured over. Um, I'm sure there's a team of people trying to work it out because the Westminster Abbey part of it is much more the um, public state mm. side of the funeral. The Windsor element is much more of a private fair, as it would be for a few, you know, for normal, not us normal, mere mortals. Yeah. Um, it's you'd have a, a church service and may go for a committal, and then that's left to just the family, and that's very much going to be the essence of what's happening on Monday, yeah. but the, the state, the big pageantry, which was rehearsed early this morning um, with a mock-up coffin um, so that, that, well, those soldiers who were carrying it yesterday, they were now rehearsing mm. their next stage right. of how moving it from the, the, the catafalk back to the um, uh, to Westminster mm. Abbey. Right. And because Westminster Abbey is a relatively large church, but it doesn't seat infinite numbers, so presumably you have to limit... 2,000. With each, yeah. So with each kind of, you know, entourage, yeah. if you like, from each country, do they say, well, you're America, so you can have five? Or uh, well, they basically... Um, you know, you're China, you can only have two. How does that work? Well, they're basically saying keep <laughs> it to one representative right. per country. Okay. Now, there may be exceptions, mm. um, but in essence, that's what it is because they have got so many people mm. to try and get in. And it's saying, right, you know, to try... Because they don't want to... Trying to not offend some organisation yeah. or country or right. something. So it, it is an absolute, you know, they've got to dance yeah. very carefully around this. And this is why it does take 10 days from, you know, yeah. they call it D-Day plus 10. Yeah. Um, that is the, because there is so much going on behind the yeah. scenes. What the work to go to each phase of this is just enormous. You know, obviously preparations will be underway now for Cardiff tomorrow yeah. to be the, for the king's visit but the things that will be need to be rehearsed for all of that mm. and so there's that's got to be done it is a 
huge um, logistical operation like nothing else. Mm. And, you know, fair play to the people who have been working on this. This is obviously... But as we always say, we didn't know when it was going to happen. Mm. So to bring all those together, sort of, right, we're going... It, it, it's not without its complications, bringing people from overseas, maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, know some of the soldiers, the officers who are um, standing from the household division um, in surrounding the uh, coffin, which is there by tradition, but they're bringing in officers mm. who may be currently serving overseas to contribute and be part of one of the watches for the lying in right. state. Amazing, incredible to think about what has to be done. Rupert, you've also got plenty to do, I dare say, today. So uh, well, I, <laughs> we'll see I, you later. <laughs> I'm, I'm being a bit like King Charles. I'm taking stock. <laughs> OK, very well done. Well said. Rupert Bell, they're reporting in to us. You'll see him and hear him all the way through uh, today and the rest of the weekend, of course, as well. Ben Habib coming up next. We're talking migrants. We're talking Circo. And I might even ask him about Sweden as well. This is Talk TV. Radio you can believe in. Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio and Talk TV. Speaking common sense unto the nation. Listen on your smart speaker. Watch it live on your smart TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On your mobile, on your wavelengths. Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Lots going on today, of course. It is Thursday. Uh, we will be uh, bringing you up to date with all matters regarding uh, the funeral coming up on Monday. The Queen is now lying in state in Westminster Hall, as you can see from our map uh, on the screen in front of you today on Talk TV. The queue has reached Tower Bridge. That's approximately three and a half miles from Westminster Hall. Um, and if you heard uh, Rupert Bell there talking, it's around about um, a half a mile per hour. So currently that would look like about um, six, six and a half, maybe seven hours to wait in a queue. Uh, so if you're queuing now, you probably won't see uh, the inside of Westminster Hall until around about six o'clock tonight. But uh, obviously fewer people going overnight. And so if you really have the opportunity to do it overnight, you can probably get there an awfully lot quicker. Um, let's talk now to Ben Habib, former MEP, of course, uh, a man that uh, has been um, a, a sole voice, a lone voice in many ways on much of the uh, stories that we've done here at Talk TV about the migrant crisis, about the uh, illegal numbers coming here. We found out this week that they've reached epic proportions. They're now uh, as many as came totally in 2021, uh, over 25,000, and it looks as though we could have that number uh, going, uh, shooting up further and further and further as the, the remaining months go. We had 600 come in the other day. We've learned overnight uh, that not only are there 50 or more per boat now coming, uh, that Serco um, has now put out to tender for some landlords. Serco, of course, is the company which is owned uh, privately, uh, but which is a government contractor taking care of most of these migrants, putting them up in hotels, etc. It's now looking for landlords to give them five-year leases to house illegal migrants um, in Britain, up and down the country. Let's talk to Ben to find out uh, what he makes of it all. Ben, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. I mean, first of all, I think you and I have agreed many times that the numbers coming on these uh, euphemistically titled small boats are, are getting bigger by the week. The boats themselves are now no longer really categorised as small boats. I mean, they're very, very well put together um, ribs, I suppose you might call them, for want of a better word. Um, and they're yeah. very solid, aren't they? They're not, they're not likely to capsize. It's not like guys who are on a sort of a very small dinghy, which is likely to capsize. No, I think, you know, people who were coming across three years ago were chanting their arm uh, at getting across the channel. But now it is confirmed, um, you know, as a result of border force and our Navy acting effectively as a taxi service, 
that they will be picked up. So they're more emboldened. They're taking bigger craft and they know that actually they're assured mm. safe passage into the United Kingdom. Uh, there is no deterrence taking place in our territorial waters. Um, and of course, the hailed Rwanda plan hasn't, fe- you know, hasn't worked. And that had to work in spades if it was to deliver any form of deterrence. So, you know, with the UK government having championed that 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 plan, having said that that would be the resolution of this problem, mm. and that plan, you know, obviously having failed, I think these people feel even more emboldened. You know, so every step we take, we almost make the problem worse for us. And I think, Mike, we've now got more people coming across the channel so far this year than all of last year. Yeah. And we're going to be pushing around 40,000, I think, for the end of the year. And those are the numbers we know about. Remember, there will be many who've got through without us even being aware that Mm. they've, you know, that they've come across. Absolutely right. And we've known for a long time that Serco have had a contract. I think the last contract they had was something like £2.1 billion worth of money coming from the government, from the Home Office, to move the the migrants from Dover when they land or wherever and and into migrant hotels, etc., costing something like seven to ten million pounds a day now we now see uh, that they're putting out a clarion call for landlords because they want to sign them up it's a bit like the old um, move people from uh, poorer parts of britain to coastal towns on the south coast because the council tax will be paid by central government if they're unemployed and on benefits which is what happened in places like hastings uh, and places like bournemouth right these are now um, landlords who are who are going to be saying, okay, so I get my the council tax will get paid by Serco, the rent will be paid by Serco. They're actually saying on their on their offering, you know, the rents will be paid on time. I mean, if you're a landlord, you're going to go for this. But there are meanwhile loads and loads of people in this country who can't get housing. Well, exactly, and you know, this is big business. Out of all adversity, you know, business finds a way to capitalise on it, and it's Serco effectively making triple A income mm. from the government. You know, so out of this um, out of this complete failure of government policy to police our borders, we're getting enriched landlords. That surely is a ridiculous outcome for government failure. Mm. And as you rightly say, Mike, landlords will be chasing down these properties now. Uh, I'm in property. And the idea that you could get you could buy a third rate hotel. Um, or what was a third-rate hotel on the coast of the United Kingdom and get government-backed income, um, what, 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 you know, what looks like a long-term basis would be mouth-watering. Yeah. It's a license to print money, it seems to me. Uh, and it also confirms, does it not, that this is a business. It's not just simply about people coming to this country uh, because uh, they want to flee war or because they want to have a better opportunity. There are an awful lot of people here making money. Absolutely. And in that will come vested interest Mm. and there will be opposition to this now ending because there will be people making money. You know, we saw this with PPE during the pandemic and face masks and all the rest of it. You know, new industries grew out of that adversity Mm. as it is now with this immigration crisis and um, this illegal immigration crisis, I should say. And, you know, those vested interests will become entrenched. And of course, the lawyers have been there right from the start. You know, the lawyers love this because they have an opportunity, again, to represent these people, to, to oppose any deportation and, again, effectively being paid by the government in order to do that. Yeah. I mean, it seems extraordinary, doesn't it? I mean, do you have any faith whatsoever in, in Suella Braverman being able to do what Priti Patel couldn't do, i.e. something? Well, I, I, I have great respect for Suella Braverman. And, you know, I hope that she'll be a better fresh air in the Home Office. 
But what she's got to do is forget the notion that fixing or ditching the European Court of Human Rights, the European Convention of Human Rights, is the resolution to this problem. First of all, we can't do that because we're bound by international treaty to, uh, you know, into the ECHR. Yes. But more importantly, this isn't this isn't a problem that should be tackled through deportation. This isn't a problem that should be tackled once people have landed on our shores. This is a problem that we've got to nip in the bud in the channel. We've got to prevent these people from coming to the United Kingdom in the first place. I heard Macron say overnight that, you know, the friendship between France and the United Kingdom could not be breached. Well, can he please show some genuine goodwill and start policing his borders and, and stop exporting his problems to the UK? And, you know, Suella Braverman needs to challenge him. But more importantly, she needs to get border force and the Royal Navy. I know the Royal Navy want out of this problem, but border force and Royal Navy have to do their job. They have to repel these boats at the point of entry. Mm. I heard I heard um, uh, Liz Truss say during the um, leadership contest that the problem with doing that is these people go back to France and then they have another go. Well, have another go and be repelled again yeah. and keep being repelled until they realize they can't come across the water. We need strong border control. It's not an ECHR problem. If the electorate get fooled into thinking that, they will allow the government to create a technical issue out of this problem mm. and kick the can down the road. There's no requirement to revise any international treaties, to opt out of any international conventions. We have all the authority and powers we need within the United Kingdom to deal with the problem. And like with so many problems, Mike, all we need is strong unilateral British action. Yes, because at the moment we have weak unilateral British action. And by that, I mean that the reason many of these people come here is that they know that they will get offered, you know, the sorts of comforts that they will not be offered in France or anywhere else. At the end of the day, they're coming here because they know they're going to get a house. They know they're going to get a hotel room. They know they're going to be given cash, uh, albeit not very much cash, but cash nevertheless. And they'll be given food. So why wouldn't you uh come? And, and benefits and all, you know, yeah. the, 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 the charter that governs the treatment they get here is long and comforting for them. I mean, the charter in itself is a holiday from, you know, Albania or wherever it is they, they hail from. Mm. And uh, no, I mean, we've, we've got the whole thing. We've got the whole thing back to front. Yeah, it really is quite extraordinary. And we're told 65,000 is now um, the estimate of people who could be here by the end of the year. And as you say, those are the ones that we know. So effectively, you could be talking 70, 75,000. You know, that's an awful lot of people. It's, you know, several small towns in southern England, isn't it? Uh, uh, absolutely. And, you know, we can't underestimate the damage this is doing to law, law, law and order in mm. the United Kingdom. We can't underestimate the burden it's putting on our... Uh, our national services and we can't overestimate the damage it's also doing to the social fabric of the United Kingdom you know a lot of people are not prepared to discuss it but I think you, you we have to speak out about the fact that multiculturalism imported in this way is not good for the United Kingdom we need some kind of homogeneity if ever anything was driven home you know as a result of the Queen's passing it is that the United Kingdom has to come together. Mm. And we're not going to come together if we have lots of forces in the UK that are not sympathetic to our history, not sympathetic to our culture, and in some cases, out literally to damage it. Yeah. And we don't know what sort of people are coming across the channel. They're not being vetted by us. They're coming across without invitation, without our knowledge, and harboring potentially very hostile 
attitudes to the UK. I know the sort of woke um, liberal lot. I, I, it's a misappropriation of the word liberal, but yeah. you, you know who I mean. Yeah. Um, you know, want this kind of open border policy and they want safe passage for these people as opposed to uh, deterring them from coming in the first place. But, but I don't think they realise how much damage they're doing to the very system that enables these people to come across. There are very few countries in the world that are as welcoming and as comfortable as the United Kingdom. And in their wokery, in their faux liberal um, invitation Mm. to these people, the open border approach they want, they are going to undermine what we all hold so dear, which is these fantastic values we have in the United Kingdom. And... um, I know you've discussed, I'm digressing slightly, but I know you discussed earlier with Laura Dodsworth, you know, uh, uh, not not my king. I yes. think people were holding those placards up. You know, these people who have the ability to hold up those placards are only allowed to hold them up because we have such a fantastic system, a system that our monarchy was part of creating. Yeah. And it's the same kind of people who want these open borders and, you know, the influx of people who are anti pathetic to the united kingdom i mean i hold my head in my hands when i see it because they don't understand the damage they're doing to the country which enables them to have these broad-minded open principles yes exactly because all i've got to do uh, is look to sweden um where magdalena anderson's center-left coalition party has lost an election which has been largely based on their open door policy for migration and people have said enough already uh, and they're going to vote for a right wing party. And so these people will, will get precisely what they don't want if they carry on like this. Uh, absolutely. And we're going to see this everywhere. You know, socialism used to mean standing up for the working class. Yeah. It used to mean standing up for labourers, which inherently is a very uh, uh, sovereign based feeling. It's a very uh, patriotic um, basis for a political ideology. But socialism has been hijacked. And what socialism has now become is a kind of pool sovereignty, mm. a sort of we are all in this together as one globe, but we're not. We are separate countries and the Swedes need to learn that, relearn it. The British need to relearn it. I, you know, of the vote for Brexit without wishing to go on to Brexit, the vote for Brexit was a recognition by the British people and, and, a, and a voice being made that we want to go back to being a sovereign, mm. independent country with controls on our borders, mm. which, you know, Boris Johnson promised in the 2019 general election. So I hope Liz Truss and Suella Braverman will follow through on it. Yes, well, let's so, hope so. We'll certainly keep their feet to the fire. Ben, thank you very much indeed. Ben Habib, former MEP there, talking about the migrant crisis, uh, which has now reached epic proportions. Uh, Serco now not happy enough to put them in hotels, now want to give them housing as well. And they're looking for landlords. Isn't it marvellous? This is Talk TV. Radio you can believe in. Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio and Talk TV. Speaking common sense unto the nation. Listen on your smart speaker. Watch it live on your smart TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On DAB+, on the app, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to Talk TV. This is, of course, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham with you all the way through until one o'clock. It is past the midday hour. Uh, we get uh, another hour closer to the funeral uh, of the Queen on Monday. Uh, of course, if you are watching, you can see uh, that we have a map currently up uh, which shows where the queue is stretching. If you want to go and see uh, Her Majesty down in uh, Westminster Hall, you are able to do so. You need to queue up, though, from around about Tower Bridge, which is around about three and a half miles away, about seven hours, they reckon, away from actually getting in 
in uh, to see the Queen's coffin lying in state because that is what so many people are now doing. We've been talking to an awful lot of people uh, this morning who have been down there. Christo was amongst them as well, talked to uh, TV's very own uh, weekend TV presenter. Um, we've got Sandringham as well. Well wishes anticipating William and Kate arriving up there. Uh, they're going up to see some of the flowers that have been laid uh, outside Sandringham because, of course, not always uh, has Sandringham been in the news in the last few days because the Queen, of course, passed away in Balmoral. So there was an awful lot of activity up in Scotland. Uh, we're going to talk now, though, about what else happens on Monday. We had Simon Calder earlier telling us what the plan is uh, in terms of travel. Uh, but let's talk now to Andrew Allison, Chief Executive of the Freedom Association, because... Uh, He's got some recollections of the Queen, but also uh, some views on whether we're doing the right thing to shut schools, to shut down doctor surgeries, to postpone NHS um, activities and to to alter people's schedules. If they've got procedures they need doing, they're not going to be done probably on Monday. And personally, for me, uh, the shutting down of supermarkets and fast food outlets, I mean, it seems a little bit over the top. Andrew, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. Thanks very much indeed. Let's start, uh, Andrew, with your own reflections on what we've been seeing as a country. I I found it very kind of comforting uh, and rather encouraging uh, to see so many people sharing this event, um, taking their own time to do what they want, to to see other people that they haven't met before and to kind of share in the experience of it all. Well, at the time of the Duke of Edinburgh's uh, death, uh, I, I did feel that perhaps that was going to be something of a dress rehearsal for the day when Her Majesty died. Uh, and the outpouring of love and affection and thanks, uh, as well as grief, mm. uh, has not surprised me in the least. I mean, I was born in 1971. My earliest recollection of her was in the Silver Jubilee in, in, in 1977. Yeah. Remember my mother planning with neighbours street parties and the bunting was out in right. just a sea of red, white and blue. And that was my sort of first recollection. Right. Of but she has been the constant in our in our nation's life. She's the one person that we could rely on. And we remember during the pandemic, not only did she put a reassuring arm around our country, she also put a reassuring arm around the world. Yeah. And no matter where you went in the world, if you mentioned the Queen, they knew that you were talking about Queen Elizabeth II, most photographed woman in the world, mm. probably the most famous woman in the world. So this is this is a time of huge loss for our country, but of course we wish our new king well. Yes, and I think he's done terribly well um, in the first few days of his reign, if you like, um, to kind of settle everybody's nerves. Who Many of us thought that he might not be um, as good uh, or it might take him a while to sort of settle in, but he seems to have taken to it um, remarkably quickly. I'm pleased that he's having a day to himself in Highgrove mm. uh, to, because he has simply never stopped since his mother died. And he, he hasn't had the opportunity to grieve like anyone else would 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 be allowed to grieve from the proclamation, addressing the, mm. the, the nation, addressing House of Parliament, being in Scotland, being in Northern Ireland. I mean, it has been an enormously demanding schedule for anyone who has just lost their mother. But he is 73 mm. and... And uh, our new Queen Consort is 75. And quite frankly, when I saw them, I think it was uh, on, on Tuesday, they just look completely exhausted. Yeah. And that's surprising. So good that he's having a, a day of rest today. He needs it. Yeah, absolutely right. And what do you make of what's going to happen on Monday? Because in my view, 
you know, they would have done a lot better with school and, and with children in school um, to say to them, look, we're all going to pile into the uh, assembly hall and we're going to watch the funeral. Uh, it's the kind of thing they would have done when I was at school. Why are they giving them the day off? Is anybody's, uh, is anybody's guess? I have no clue what that does for anyone except make it impossible for their parents to go to work. I'm in two minds on this, Mike. I think we should have a day where we can all get together as families uh, and, and be able to observe the funeral, to be able to watch the funeral on television. So in that respect, uh, I don't object mm. to, the, to the creation of a bank holiday. But I also see the alternative point of view that you've just expressed there, that perhaps children could all be there at school. They could be taught something more about the Queen and, 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 and all watch this together. Um, I imagine that many people who live by themselves might want to go down to to their local pub mm. and spend the time with their neighbours and their friends uh, and, and, and watch it there. As for supermarkets closing, I, I, I find this rather difficult because surely you could just close at the time of the funeral as a mark of respect. Yeah, if you want but to. After that, I, yeah, if, if, if indeed you want to, it's completely, completely up to you. It's completely up to any business. Um, because then that would also... Well, allow staff it would give them the opportunity to be able to watch the funeral themselves i understand that many people will, will be wanting to do that but i, I think it's just a, a little bit of a jumble companies not knowing what to do like center park yeah. the story that we had earlier in the week is because we just haven't experienced mm. this the last time a monarch died was was over 70 years ago and we're just not used to this uh, and i think i think a lot of businesses and government and councils are all trying to do the right thing but mistakes are going yeah. to be made. And that is the problem, because you and I have talked about this before, that we have a country now where there's some officious people who love to tell you what you should be mm. doing, what you shouldn't be doing. And I'm told that there's one particular council in West London who were going around sending representatives to building sites, telling the building sites people that they had to stop work and not work on Monday. And I mean, you know, frankly, it's none of their business what somebody does in a building site. And I don't think you can start going around telling people that you must, you know, honour the Queen. I agree. I agree entirely. It's, it's got to be up to individuals. It's got to be up to businesses to decide what they want to do. But I imagine that perhaps a quarter of an hour, half an hour before the funeral takes place and during the funeral itself, I think the nation will pretty much completely grind to a halt. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, be. I wouldn't be at all surprised. I mean, for my own for my own part, I'm glad to see that certain pub chains have decided to stay open because I think a lot of people will want to go and watch it in a will. pub. You know, it's a great British tradition mm. to do things in your local. And if you happen to have a local that hasn't been shut down because they haven't been able to make any money for the last two years, um, that might be a nice thing to do. And as you say, for people who live alone, it might be a nice thing for them to do. Yes, I I I, I think so. Um, I mean, I personally spend it with with my family, mm. but I think if I was living by myself, I think I would want to go and, and, and spend some time with, with, with people. And, you know, the traditional British thing of just raising a glass, a final glass to Her Majesty the Queen. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, it, it's, but it's, it's got to be up to individual businesses, individual people to decide what they want to do and, and, and how they're going to uh, respect her memory. Yes. We spoke to some people yesterday, um, Andrew, you're obviously uh, up there in Yorkshire, who said that they would have liked to have seen the uh, the Queen's cortege sort of coming more slowly down through the country, whether by train or uh, in a hearse, um, rather than just coming to London to sit in London for five days. What do you make of that? Do you think it would have been better for it to have been sort of meandering down through um, the shires? A monarch for the last about 100 years 
um, has has led instead in Westminster Hall mm. um, after they have died. Um, it, it is the seat uh, of government, uh, and it is in our capital city. So it is rather appropriate that that's why they should lay in state. Um, if the, the the coffin had sort of meandered its way down very slowly by train, um, I could see there'd be all sorts of problems and people trying to get onto land mm. to view it. I can see bridges being blocked. I could see the old person falling over, to be perfectly right. honest. I can understand why that decision was uh, was made not, not to do that. If she had come down by car and meandered her way through the country, I haven't a clue how long that would have taken. Mm. I mean, it couldn't have been done in one journey. So that was that was just uh, a non-starter. So I, I understand why she was flown down from, from Edinburgh to RAF Northolt. Uh, and I do understand why it, it is in London. I mean, I would have loved to have come down. Uh, but um, as I've discussed with you in the past, Mike, I, I've, I've got quite, quite a few back issues. And I literally cannot stand for hours and hours uh, in, a, in a queue. Yeah. Um, never mind the fact that I'd actually have to give up two, maybe three days to be able to do it, to drive down to London, to get to the right position, to pay my respects right. and then get, get again. Um, but I still think what is happening at the moment is correct. Yes, I think by and large, if you sum up all of the parts, you kind of come to the conclusion that it's better to do all in one place. And some yeah. people might not like the fact that that's London, but that happens to be where Westminster Abbey is and that happens to be where, you know, the seat of government is. So it's sort well, well, of... It but also, just to add that if she hadn't died of Balmoral, if she had died, say, in Buckingham Palace or Windsor or Sandring, yeah. then that Scottish leg of her journey wouldn't have been there, no. I don't think. So it, it was because she died in, in, in the Highlands of Scotland that she was brought down to Edinburgh. And those people in Edinburgh had a, had a chance to um, you know, pay tribute to their Queen of Scots, the first... Yeah. The first Queen of Scotland, the first King or Queen of Scotland to have died in Scotland for for five hundred years. Yes, no, well, there's so many firsts that we won't probably realise quite how many until it's all over. Because I was reading yesterday that I think it's going to be the biggest televised event um, in the history of television, and I didn't realise that the biggest one until now was actually the opening ceremony of the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta, uh, followed by oh. the funeral of Princess Diana. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. I mean, it's it's a it's an enormous logistical operation. We have kings and queens. We've got the emperor mm. of Japan. We've got prime ministers. We've got presidents all coming under one roof. And I don't think anything like that has ever been done before. Um, so, I, I'm, central London is obviously going to grind to a halt because mm. it has to because of security yes. issues. Um, it, it's. It, I think it will be the most. Uh, widely televised event so I, have, I've, I haven't phrased that correctly I think it will get the biggest audience yes. of any event. Oh no I think absolutely I think it will and and as you say you'll be watching with your family as will many others um, and Andrew I'm sure we'll talk uh, again later in the weekend thank you very much indeed Andrew Allison Chief Executive of the Freedom Association Richie says this Pure Jim has got it right uh, they're closing from 10am until 2pm keeps everybody happy yeah I mean that makes a lot more sense than closing down as McDonald's is doing uh, from midnight up until um, uh, 5pm the following day so in midnight sort of Sunday night going into Monday morning um, we're going to go all the way around till 5pm. One of the questions I've got, and it's not because of uh, you know any desire to have fast food, but there's an awful lot of people involved and employed uh, by groups like Uber Eats, by Deliveroo, Just Eat, that kind of thing. I know it's largely in uh, cities, but still, an awful lot of people rely on that, and they're not going to be making any money. 
Here's one from uh, Philip in Bournemouth. He says, Mike, I went to pay my respects to the Queen yesterday from Westminster Tube Station. It took me 10 minutes to find the end of the queue. I joined at 11.30 and passed the time chatting to the people around me. The doors opened at 5 and I was done and dusted by 6.30. That includes going through airport-style security, putting everything in a plastic bin to go through the x-ray machine. Once the queue started moving, it moved quickly. The organisation was superb. Well, I mean, that all sounds terrific. And certainly it does appear to be moving quite quickly. It does appear that people are moving along. Uh, you're not just stuck there without any hope of uh, actually getting anywhere for hours and hours on end. We are being told that it's about half a mile per hour. So if you're six um, if you're six hours away, that's three miles away. Roughly where you are now, if you're at Tower Bridge, is about three and a half miles. Six to seven hours probably to wait in order to get in to Westminster Hall. If that changes, uh, we will let you know. We'll talk to Jill in Cornwall coming up uh, and much, much else besides. This is Talk TV.